My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Um, and uh, I must just say, uh, I got Mark Ripto or Ripito. I must just get the pronunciation correct on the other side. Uh, but before I let you speak, Mark, I just want to say I've just finished a great workout. I did the circuit and then I did bicep curls in the squat rack. <laughs> Well, good. that's just precious. Just... So, uh, nonetheless, thanks for having me on. The show. It's listen. It's a great pleasure. Um, I was saying to you just before we went live <laughs> that uh, you've caused a lot of problems in my life. Uh, about a decade ago, I was doing just fine with <laughs> with my gymming, um, and then suddenly this this book called Starting Strength. Flip turned everything on its head. Um, everything I thought yeah. I knew, everything I thought I knew, I realized I didn't. I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. Uh, we've uh, we're telling you things that uh, are such absolute contradictions to everything else you've ever heard about fitness and and uh, mm. athletic preparation and. Uh, maintenance of uh, muscle mass and bone density to go through life and uh, since they're in such uh, polar uh, opposite disagreement from everybody else's recommendations mm -hmm. but uh, since we uh, prove our case quite uh, quite convincingly uh, it, it, it tends to upset people especially if they're selling the other shit Mm, mm, mm. Just quickly tell me, is it Ripito or Ripito? Ripito, three syllables. I, I understand South Africans have problems pronouncing <laughs> English words, but uh, it's Ripito. Ripito, fantastic. It's a French name. It's a French name. Okay, all right. So, as I said, you've caused problems in my life because it's because of you that I have a squat rack in my garage, and it's because of you that I stopped my gym membership uh, years ago. Uh, that I bought sound like a problem to me. <laughs> like a, a giant leap forward to me. So yeah, so I ended up buying a Olympic bar and uh, plates, and uh, and I ever since then I've I've always done the same kind of routine. And I'll tell you, we're gonna we'll get into all of that shortly. But I wanted us. I was thinking earlier before uh, before you joined me that it, strength training is a very strange thing. It's not like it's not like it's something different. It's it's part of who I am, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, yeah. Once you start doing this, mm. and you 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 become uh, familiar with the process that you are now in control of. That uh, pretty much determines your physical destiny. Mm. And then you realize, well, hell, this is one hundred percent under my under my power. Then yeah, you kind of internalize it, and it kind of changes a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I mean it's not like you know, I have to. I tell you, you have to do your squats. Like I tell you, you have to wear your mask and stand six feet apart. <laughs> you don't have to do your squats if you don't want to, but if you assign yourself the task of doing squats, and the process of doing that for several months mm. changes 
everything about your physical existence, you know, it kind of tends to soak in at a, at a little bit more existential level as well. Well, before we talk about any of that awesome sort of meaty stuff, um, I just want to just inform my audience who you are. Uh, for those who don't know, um, you're a former powerlifter, um, author of, of numerous books. You've also um, got a number of peer-reviewed articles, and you you hail from Texas. Well, I don't think you could say I have a number of them. I have one or two, but okay. uh, uh, I don't... Uh, Peer reviews of little interest to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a very, very little interest because it's such a, uh, uh, it, it's a process that serves the reviewers and the publishers, not the authors. Yeah. And um, I'm just not interested in, I don't read peer reviewed literature, especially in the exercise sciences, because it's of no value. And, uh, I learned a long time ago what is going on in that process. So no, don't call it's, me. Up. It's very corrupt. Yes, I agree with you. It, it's terribly corrupt. It is mm. professional research. It is not science. Yeah, yeah. It's a, they're two separate processes. If you uh, have read uh, Bruce Charlton's stuff about this, he's he's, he's very good. And. Uh, I highly recommend that you look him up. And you're from, uh, I mean, you're you're from Texas. You were born in Texas, yeah. if I got it correct, and uh, and you still yes. live in Texas, pretty much the same area. Yes, that's fantastic. Yes. North Central Texas is what we call this little piece of paradise here. Mm. Southern plains of the United States, you know, infested with cactus and mesquite trees, and. Mm. and uh, Little creatures with teeth and plants with thorns and things like that. Everything here either will stick you in the finger or sting you. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it, it, it really is. It's a it's a lovely place. <laughs> um, and of course, you were a powerlifter. So I mean, and I mean, when we talk about powerlifting, let's just assume for a second that. Uh, that I don't know with the difference between powerlifting and bodybuilding and and these sorts of things. Let's just quickly let's quickly sort that out. What is the difference between powerlifting and bodybuilding and and then in essence what is strength training? Well, all of those things use barbells. Mm. All right, in in their training, some of them use barbells in the competition. Powerlifting is a competitive sport. Uh, it's the sport of the squat, the bench press, and the deadlift. And uh, it's to see who can lift the most weight on the bar within uh, weight classes. Olympic weightlifting is another barbell sport. It's a completely different barbell sport. It uses the uh, snatch and the clean and jerk. Mm. And the the lifts are, are quite different. Uh, Powerlifting is really misnamed. It should be called strength lifting because mm. there's no uh, accelerative nature to any of the three lifts. As long as you can, if it takes you ten seconds to complete a deadlift, it's a deadlift. Mm. However, uh, the snatch and a clean and jerk are explosive lifts. They must be accelerated, and if you fail to accelerate 
the weight, the lift can't be completed. So they're they're quite different in terms of the uh, the, the the types of uh, physiologic adaptations that are required of the training and to display proficiency in them. Both of them use a barbell in uh, on the competitive platform. Bodybuilding is a different thing entirely. Bodybuilding. Mm is a beauty contest for boys and girls and that's, that's all it is it's a beauty contest and some bodybuilders use barbells quite effectively in their training lots and lots of them don't because they're not concerned about anything except they look uh, visual appearance mm. and it's a it's it's a subjective beauty contest right and as, as i don't consider it to be a sport but I mean, uh, sorry, Mark, I've got to interrupt you. But I mean, I've had this conversation many times over the years. Um, I mean, is Arnold Schwarzenegger all that weak, for example? I mean, he was a competitive bodybuilder. But I mean, he seriously, he lifted seriously heavy weights. Well, I don't know how seriously heavy his weights were. I wasn't there. I don't know. I know what he said. Okay. But, but he's a politician. <laughs> you have to remember, he's right. a politician. He's always been a very effective politician, mm. and we know what politicians all do. So I don't know. I don't know how strong he was. Right, right. I know that his friend Franco Colombo was, uh, was pretty strong. I've seen him mm. deadlift over 700. Uh, I don't know what Arnold has done. I've never seen a video of him deadlifting anything right. particularly heavy. But I don't know what he's done. Mm. I have no idea. Uh, nonetheless, doesn't matter what he's done in his training. The sport of bodybuilding, quote unquote, is not an athletic competition. Right. It is not an athletic competition. It is a beauty contest, and that's all it can be. Is a beauty contest, and therefore, it's it's. If you'll think about it like this, if if you go out on a platform and you deadlift a heavier weight than anyone else in the contest is deadlifted, then you won. But bodybuilders go out on the stage and look better right. than everybody else. Right. One is subjective. Yeah. The other is objective. One is therefore not a sport, and the other is therefore a sport. And you can you can make that uh, assessment. You would say that diving is not a sport, mm -hmm. but but in fact, a diving is a sport because the judges are comparing the performance they see you execute. Oh, I get what you're saying. Form, mm. uh, to an objective standard, see what I mean? Yeah. There is no objective standard in a bodybuilding show. Who's the best today? Well, in whose opinion is that? It's, 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 it can't be considered a sport. I'm not saying it's not a valid activity. I'm just mm. saying it's not a sport. And, and right. you don't get to call it a sport. Just because training is hard for it. Uh, and, I mean, look, you're, you're obviously speaking to the converted here. But, I mean, just to play devil's advocate, uh, just for a moment, you're going oh, to... Like you're going to end up with more health problems later on in life if you're a bodybuilder and you're taking steroids and juice and all kinds of supplementation um, as opposed to powerlifting which, which, or strength training 
which is just brute uh, strength. Mm-hmm. Well, there are uh, essentially no high-level bodybuilders since, and, and haven't been since the 1960s that aren't doing a whole bunch of drugs. Yeah. It just, it's just part of the it, it's part of the activity. It's inseparable. Now you can see some natural bodybuilders, quote unquote, that have mm. that claim to have passed a drug test and all this stuff. And and then compare them to the big pro guys. Look at the difference in, in the two. And and remember that people who compete usually will do anything it's if that is necessary in order mm. to compete. And it means taking drugs and not telling you they did it. It shouldn't be entirely surprising that that's taking place. Uh, competitive athletes, even bodybuilders, will do anything that's necessary to win. Right? Yeah. And uh, this is true of bodybuilders, Olympic weightlifters, powerlifters, football players, rugby union, mm. tennis, cycling, right? And this is when, when there is money and, and satisfying a competitive urge on the line, extremely competitive people will do anything it takes to win. Yeah, that's what they do. That's what makes them uh, household names, right? I mean, if uh, look at it from this from this standpoint, if I'm the owner of an American football team, and I've got a locker room full of twenty-two to thirty-two-year-old athletic freaks that are playing football for me, then I'm paying three million dollars a year to play football for me. If I could get away with it, I would require them to take steroids. Right. But I don't care about their health. I'm paying them $3 million. Mm. I don't give a, a damn about their health. I give, I give a damn about their performance. Mm-hmm. First, I'd, I'd get better strength and conditioning personnel. <laughs> None of those people have the slightest idea what the hell they're doing. And then I'd, I'd couple an effective strength and conditioning program uh, with uh, mandatory use of steroids, and, and if you don't believe that that's a winning combination, let me let me pose to you a, a, a dichotomy here. All right, let's say you've got one league where you have effective strength and conditioning and testosterone dianabol all day long, required all during season, so that everybody playing is is juiced up. And is turning in stunning physical performances. And then you got another league where everybody uh, takes a drug test every Friday afternoon, and uh, you know, is, says their prayers every night before they go to bed, and uh, is not doing the same things that the other leagues do. Who are you going to watch play football? Mm. Right. Yeah. Well, you know exactly what you're going to do. Yeah. And and since you know this, and since everybody knows this, 
why don't we just quit, you know, you know, expecting things out of these guys that is not reasonable for us to expect. Mm. You know, so a major league baseball player uses steroids. I don't care. Mm. I don't care what he does. I don't, I'm not using major league baseball players as role models for my children. Right. They're entertainers. Yes. Entertain me as effectively as you possibly can. And I, I tell you what, I'll be the role model for my children. How about that? Well, that's a that's something completely out of the norm these days. Oh, what is this? I mean, Hillary Clinton said that it takes a village, Mark, to raise a child. <laughs> it takes a village to figure out where all the skeletons are in that particular woman's clothes. <laughs> um, but okay, so <laughs> I want to ask you now. So let's just assume for a second that uh, a number of those listening now don't know what. Uh, starting strength is now it's for me that book is somewhat of a bible i've got a a very small selection of books that i regularly read um and starting strength i'll be honest i haven't read in the last two years uh but um it's certainly for me a type of bible it's a go-to book i mean the fact that you've spent i think what 65 pages just on how to squat (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that hasn't been done anywhere else. And uh, yeah, Starting Strength is a uh, the third edition of Starting Strength, the Blue Book, as we call it, was first published in 2011. Yeah, the first edition was published in 2005. The second edition, the brown version of it, was was published in uh, 2000. Uh, yeah, I've got the blue. I've got the blue one. And the blue one is the new version. It's been revised several times. Mm. And if you've got the current edition, it'll say on the copyright page, it'll say third revision. Yeah, that's the one I've we, got. Uh, we, every time we print uh, another 10,000 of those, we uh, review the book. And if there are minor changes that need to be made, we'll do that. So uh, if yours is old, then there's a bunch of new material in it in the third revision. Now, the book is is different from everything else in print in that it is it, it is essentially a textbook yes it's a textbook not uh, a popular you know exercise title with some guy standing on the cover with his arms crossed mm. with a bright smile right? <laughs> everybody's arms are crossed on the book and they're looking down at the camera it's it's not one of those That's not what the book is. Starting strength as a method is encompasses essentially two ideas. The first is the proper execution of exercises that are used for strength training because we're not doing anything but strength training with starting strength. It's not a competitive sport, although we have input onto the other barbell sports. Strength training is 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 for the purpose of getting you and your mother and your uncle stronger. Yes. So that you don't walk with a walking lift. stick when you're old. That's right. That's that's what it's for. It's not it's not about competitive lifting. It's not about a 900 deadlift. It's about whatever your deadlift is now doubling it in 6 months. And the the two germs of this so to speak, 
uh, of starter strength are the, the exercises and their method of execution. And the idea that programming these exercises for the individual is very, very simple and straightforward. You just come in three days a week, and whatever you squatted the last time for your three work sets of five across, you do sets of five, and you go up five pounds, and that's it. And then sorry, sorry, the sorry, sorry. We, sorry, we use kilograms here, so I think that's about two kilos. It's about two kilograms, I think. It's yeah, two and a half. Yeah, okay. Two point two kilos is five pounds. And uh, what the idea is that uh, the jumps are small, and every time you train, you lift more weight than you did last time you trained. And that three days a week, these in small increases in weight add up to quite a bit of strength improvement over time. Mm. More importantly, the decisions about what exercises to do, there are only five or six exercises in the program. Starting strength is not about exercise variety, it's about load mm. and increasing load on a few exercises that we have designed specifically we've engineered these exercises to work the greatest amount of muscle mass over the longest effective range of motion using the heaviest weight that you can use and making that weight go up on a regular basis so when you come to the gym on Friday to do your workout your squats your presses and your deadlifts all the decisions have already been made about what you're going to do when you get there because those decisions are based on what happened Wednesday. And if you continue to go up two and a half kilos on your deadlift every workout, then the deadlift gets strong, and so do you. And then you, you back up and understand that any living organism can adapt to a change in its environment. If the environment causes a stress on the organism, and this is fish in a lake or a mm. strength trainee in the gym, if the stress, uh, if, the, if the activity causes a stress on the organism, and the stress is not too large, then the organism adapts to the stress. This is just simple, basic biology. Mm. And we're taking advantage of this simple, basic biological fact and incorporating that into this into the programming and forcing you to get stronger. We're yeah, engineering but, your response. Yeah, but something that you haven't mentioned yet, um, and it was something that really, really broke barriers in my mind years ago. Um, is the effect of gravity and the the vertical movements. Everything is about keeping sort of perpendicular to the ground that for me was very very it sounds so simple but it was and so right. obvious it's some but it's something that nobody ever talks about right it's uh we kind of uh pioneered that analysis mm. uh, uh you know it's 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 perfectly obvious that gravity mm. is the the force against which we are acting and that the way gravity 
operates on the load determines how you must operate the load against gravity. And we have a long detailed analysis of that for all of the lifts that we do. And uh, in, in other words, we're proceeding from first causes. Nowhere in the book do we explain our, our thinking with the phrase, because that's the way we do it. That's intellectual laziness. Mm -hmm. We do it a certain way because of the following reasoning. And then, you know, you're welcome to refute it, and no one has. So, and, and it works. It works. So, uh, but I mean, yeah, you know, it, it would make perfect sense that if you're going to squat a barbell, that you need to move that barbell in a in as close to a perfectly vertical bar yes. path as you can. Yes. Because that is the action that gravity is is taking on the bar, and if you're going to oppose that. Mm. The most efficient way to do it is with the opposite of that, which is straight up instead of straight down. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's, you know, so obvious that it's... Uh, no, but it's... I mean, it, I, it, it's, it's that, obvious, that, but it's not, not obvious. It's not controversy anymore. Everybody quit arguing with us about that several years ago. <laughs> and then just played like it was their idea. <laughs> right? um, Mark, okay, so... But, the, okay, so... Let's just quickly cover something else now. Why is it, you know, every, let me just try and word this correctly. Okay, so if I go to the gym, which I don't, but I can guarantee if I went to the gym now, there's going to be that guy with a strawberry milkshake doing bicep curls, uh, looking at himself in the mirror. That's an isolation exercise and something that, that, that I learned from starting strength is the importance of something called a compound movement or a compound exercise. Right. Now, a lot of people don't know what these things are. Well, there are about five useful exercises and a couple of useful uh, assistance exercises. Right? We base our our training on the use of the squat the bench press, the press, the deadlift, and the power clean and power snatch. These are all compound joint exercises in that they use more than one joint at a time, and they mimic normal human movement patterns. Uh, squatting I mean, down, excepting the bench back press. Up, excepting the bench press. Picking, picking something, no. Picking something up off the ground is a deadlift. Pushing mm -hmm. something away from you is a bench press. Okay. Pushing something up over your head is a press. These are all perfectly natural movements. Mm. The bench press is not performed while standing on the ground. No. But it's a perfectly natural movement pattern, and the, we haven't found a more effective way to train it than lying on a bench and using the equipment that we use for the bench press. Yeah. Uh, Chin-ups are very effective as an assistance exercise. Uh and beyond that, we really don't use a lot of any other types of exercise, and here's why, all right? There is a, there's a distinctive difference between training and exercising, mm. all right? Training and exercising, 
Exercising is what you do when you go by the gym on your way home from work. You park in the parking lot, you get out, you take your gym bag in, you change clothes in the dressing room, you come out and you go do some, you sit out on the leg extension machine and you wiggle your feet around a little bit and you go over to the dumbbell rack and make odd movements with the dumbbells and then you get on the treadmill and ride the treadmill for 20, 30 minutes while you watch CNN and then you go back in the dressing room and you go to the sauna and you take a sweat and then you come out and take a shower, put your clothes back on and go home. That is exercise. It sounds terrible. It, it's, it's, it's pointless. But for many people, it's enough. It burns some calories and it makes you feel better about yourself for having actually done something that's marginally difficult. And, uh, and it's punching a ticket. It is about, and here's the distinction, that kind of an approach to physical fitness is about how it makes you feel today, mm. right? Today, I got hot, sweaty, and tired, <laughs> today. <laughs> Training, on the other hand, is what you and I do. Yes. We think about it. It's a process that we design that that is designed specifically to produce a result at some point in time removed from today. We are trying to get our squat up to a number mm. so we'll be stronger. Training is the process of applying stress in a measured dose to you, the organism, from which you can recover and thus adapt to that stress. Right. And then the process continued. You apply a little bit more stress, which is more than the previous stress. Mm. And you recover from that, you do it again, you recover from that, you do it again, you recover from that. Therefore, you are accumulating a series of adaptations which make you stronger. But Mark... Okay, so let's that's fundamentally different from just mm. going by the gym and going in there and fucking around for an hour and a half. Yes, but Mark, it's I mean, a people whole different thing. People get bored though, so they want to change up their routines. I don't care if they get bored. <laughs> that doesn't alter the biology. All right. <laughs> and and furthermore, furthermore, yeah, making a PR a personal record squat is not boring. For sure. Yeah, it's not boring, is it? No, no, I can and tell you that if, much. If it's you're amazing. not motivated by anything except complexity, then you need to reevaluate your motivation. Mm. I mean, I had a, okay. So, I, someone someone was asking me to ask you, for example, and I know <laughs> I know the answer, but I'm just going to humor the person wanting to know about things like lunges and hip thrusts and stuff. She she right. she thinks that she thinks that these things are important. Can you train them? Simple question. How long can you do hip thrusts, whatever those are? I, I don't know. Lunges. And put weight, increase the stress on mm. the movement. How long can you do it? No. Can you? How long can you do even chins and add weight to the chin up? Well, not very long, right? That's why it's an assistance exercise. Mm. 
So the question then becomes, if we're going to spend time in the gym doing things, the things we do in the gym should be productive in terms of achieving the goal of getting stronger. Right? Why would I do lunges when they can't make me stronger? Mm. How long can you make your deadlift stronger? You can just keep going. Ten years. Mm. Right? Therefore, you can train the deadlift. How long can you make a weighted lunge stronger? About six weeks. Yeah. Why and it's, and it's time a, doing, doing and it, things that are not productive in terms of the process of training? And it's also stupid because nobody walks around like that. No, 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 they don't. Whereas people squat down and stand up, mm. and loading that movement makes the whole body stronger. But people why do people th- off the ground? Loading that movement makes the whole body stronger. But Pressing why do people think like this, Mark? Makes the whole body stronger. So why waste time doing a one-arm seated dumbbell press? Mm. It's pointless. But why do people think like this? Why do people think that? Uh, they, to to get a thigh gap on for the girls, they've got to do this um, strange machine. Or uh, is it is it propaganda? Is That's it just the is, yes no machine? Yeah, the yes right? no machine. Yes, yes um, but no I mean, machine. is this is this just years and years of of magazines pushing nonsense? Yes, yes it is. It is. It 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 takes advantage of the fact that people are very very susceptible to superficially pleasing ideas the muscle confusion principle for example that sold all of those programs uh, for P90X on late night television why do you want your muscles confused I don't want my muscles confused I want them to understand that I want them to be stronger than they are Mm. I don't want to introduce a whole bunch of exercise variety on movement patterns that cannot be effectively trained simply to keep me from being intellectually bored mm. all right once again I, the biology doesn't care whether you're bored all right the the physiology of adaptation is what it is mm. and it is not um beholden to you to keep you interested you have to exercise at some point in your life you have to exercise some discipline and this is an excellent place to learn it is under the bar yes uh, why a bar as opposed to a dumbbell I'm, I'm getting some questions coming through you in the comments load a, you can't load a dumbbell mm. you can't incrementally increase the weight of a dumbbell but you can just pick up a heavier one if you've got eight million dollars worth of dumbbells, dumbbells are the most expensive right. set of equipment in any gym. Mm. All right, but how are you going to squat a dumbbell? No, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't eat, and I've got a bunch of dumbbells, and I've never figured it out. You squat a bar. You put a plate on either side of the bar. The 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 load, the plates are tied together by the bar, the thing is stable on your back, you squat down and stand back up. Mm. If you put 
a, a dumbbell on each shoulder and hold them like this and squat down and stand back up, you're limited by several things that don't limit you with the barbell. You're limited by the ability to stabilize mm. two masses on either side of your back, either side of your shoulders, and keep them from falling forward. You're limited by the ability to go up five pounds on the total load if you need to. Right. Which you can't do that with a dumbbell. No. And, and and the other thing also is uh, a barbell. Now, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm if I'm out of turn yet, but I I find that a barbell lessens my chances of injury than dumbbells. Certainly it does. Certainly it does, because it it removes mm. the stability variable. All right. Now, squats are very very important. Okay. One of the things about them is they train balance. Because. If you can squat down and stand back up with 200 kilos, then you have solved both a force production problem and a balance problem because you haven't fallen down. But what about a Smith machine? The Smith Everybody. machine removes the falling down part. <laughs> you want to not fall down. You yes. want to solve the balance problem in the context of the force production problem too. You want both aspects of it. That's what makes it better than the Smith machine. Something, something, I in think. In other words, you can do a squat on a Smith machine wrong. Yeah. But you can't do a squat that you have walked out of the rack and have the bar balanced on your back, squat right. down, stand back up. You can't do that wrong. Yeah. Because if you do, you fall down. Um, but okay, so Mark, uh, something that comes through all the time in the comments, and let me just quickly throw this at you now. Um, girls always say, "I don't want to get bulky. If I do heavy weights, I'm going to look butch." They do. How many girls do you know that lifted heavy weights and looked butch? No, no, no. Well, I mean, I know the answer, but I don't, I don't either. But I'm, 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 I'm talking to them now through you. Yes. You're my spoke. That doesn't happen. And you know what? Girls know that doesn't happen. Mm. They know as well as I do that that doesn't happen. Oh, but they just want to get and, toned. And if, look, if you don't want to lift heavy weights, mm. don't lift heavy weights. But don't use some bullshit excuse that you're going to get butt. <laughs> but they just want you to get toned, Mark. Happen. They just want to get toned. If you, if you, you know, the, the only people that have, only women that have ever gotten butch looking on heavy weights or girls that take drugs. Yes. Yeah. Don't take steroids. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so Don't let me steroids. let me say something that I know you that you would say, but muscles are muscles. All right. Mm -hmm. Um and and there's no such thing as toning. This is what I've learned from your own articles. There's no such thing as toning. Uh you either strengthen your muscles or you don't. Right. Stronger muscles or bigger muscles. Yeah. You know, are are these girls actually that are saying this? Do you actually have the opinion that a smaller, less muscular butt looks better than a large muscular butt? <laughs> the the you, thing is, Mark, is that you don't mean that, girls. You don't mean that. the the thing here, Mark. <laughs> the thing here is gonna, that you, you guys don't want to train heavy. Don't train heavy. <laughs> All right, but don't say silly things. But yes, the thing. I mean. 
and I, I i know exactly where your position is but the reality the reality is that it's very difficult to disconnect aesthetics from strength that's it is a reality right it is mm. it's just that if you train for strength aesthetics is the side effect mm. you don't train for aesthetics you train for strength because we know how to do that that's an objectively assessed process. And if you do that, aesthetics come along accidentally. Hmm. Guys don't understand that. You know, most, most men can't appreciate the fact that if you get your deadlift from 225 up to 495, these are in pounds. So you get your deadlift up from 100 kilos to 250 yeah in kilos you look different yeah definitely with, without your neck a doubt. is bigger your yep. traps are bigger your shoulders are bigger your ass is bigger in a good way yeah your legs are bigger in a good way your waist probably stayed about the same and it might have gotten a little bigger yeah. to stabilize your back because the back is stabilized by all of the muscles that encircle the spine from front to back and the result of doing that makes you look different. Mm. It makes you look better. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Mark, okay, I have but to... You didn't do it because of the looks. Yeah. You did it because you wanted the 250 deadlift. And the way you did the 250 deadlift is you... Previously, you did 247 and a half, and then 245, and then... 242 and a half and then 240 and on back down they mm -hmm. two and a half kilo jumps and that's the process now you look better but you didn't train looks you trained two and a half kilo jumps and looks were accidental but very very real yeah um, you've taken a lot of bullets over the years for your dietary advice. Yeah, probably. Um, I've told you that if you weigh 165 and you're six foot tall, that you need to gain 50 pounds of body uh, weight. Sorry, one, are, you, are you speaking in pounds? 165, so that's 80 about. Let me convert it for you. Um, it's about 80, I think. Old worlders. Uh, 155 is, is, uh, is 75 kilos. So, so, I'm, so kilos. I'm six foot one. You need to weigh 100 kilos. Uh, I'm six foot one. You're six foot tall. Yeah, six foot one, yeah. So you do understand feet, okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's nothing because I can't do the centimeters conversion <laughs> for you. I know kilos, but I don't know centimeters. So I'm six so one. If you're, if you're six foot tall mm. and you weigh 75 kilos, you look like shit. Yeah, no, You're I weigh I weigh guy. ninety. I weigh ninety kilos. And how tall are you? Six one. Yeah, you need to gain some weight, Jeremy. You how many? This in your mind. How many kilos must I get? Two hundred. I think you need to weigh one hundred five. One hundred five. Okay. Yeah, I think you need to weigh one hundred five. And and if you do that, uh, through getting your deadlift up to two fifty. Which I doubt you're doing right now. No, I'm not a two. No, then you will have you will have gained it most of it in muscle. 
Mm. So if you if you're 90 right now and I want you to go to 105, you're going to gain 15 kilos. Uh, 12 and a half kilos. 12, maybe yeah, probably 12 kilos of that 15 kilos is going to be muscle, and the rest of it's going to be fat. Mm. And that's okay. That's okay. You can't gain a bunch of muscle, muscular body weight, and at the same time, not gain any fat. Yeah, it doesn't occur. Oh, but the guys, but the bro science guys in the gym will say, "Oh, but look, I actually do this with people, and I actually know what I'm talking about." And the bro science guys are just making podcasts that nobody watches. <laughs> I, I don't I don't care about that. And yeah. if they want to try to shoot at me with their little silly ass bullets, let them go. In. Okay, but I don't. Once again, I don't care. Jokes if jokes aside, say ugly things about me. I don't care. Um, jokes aside, Mark, and I mean in, in all seriousness, now, all right. So I mean, I I do uh, me personally, I do about seven movements, um, and I'm very happy. I don't get bored. My my rotations are all about. Um, increasing the weight so I, I don't find it boring at all um, but a lot of <clears throat> I've, I've, I've discovered that a lot of people um, want to start adding more things and more things and sure at what point in all seriousness is it necessary to start adding things there comes a point in your training that most people don't ever get to there comes a point in your training where a little bit of additional work through one portion of a kinetic chain needs to be done to boost the training effect for the kinetic chain. But that point is well beyond most people's ability to maintain attention for that long. Mm. Like, if you are <clears throat> if you are uh, a competitive power lifter, there may come a time when you need to, to focus on some heavy tricep work. All right? You, Jeremy, do not. You need to add a kilo mm. to your bench press. And then a kilo to your bench press and then another kilo to right. your bench press. And the process of doing that will make the bench press go up. And the process of making yeah. the bench press goes up, go up enlarges all of the muscles that contribute to the kinetic chain of the bench press. And the process of making the load on the bar go up yes. is facilitated by the bench press, not the assistance exercise. Now, everybody thinks you're supposed to do all the exercises in the gym. Hmm. This is the difference between their program, which is not effective, and our program, which is. Now, does everybody understand this? Well, no. I don't expect people to understand this. The simplicity of this process appeals to people of above average intelligence. Uh, I'm, I must right. be very smart then. You are. You're very. You're an intelligent man, <laughs> because the analysis that we have that we have done appeals mm. to people like you. 
Okay. Uh, no, no, but it's more than that. Complexity, now, here's a very important observation. This is going to sound ugly of me to say this, but complexity appeals to people of average intelligence and stupid people. Mm. Complexity. It's complicated. It must work. Yeah. Right? And no, no, that's that's not true. That's not true. If the process of adding two and a half kilos to your squat every week is facilitated by you just getting under the bar loaded two and a half kilos heavier and squatting it for three sets of five. What else is necessary? Mm. Well, nothing. Nothing. So no. why add to it? Right? Um, this is just a this is a simple philosophical problem, right? I mean, right. you've heard of a comms razor. It's not. It's the same kind of thing. Mm. The simplest answer, the one that that works, is is the is the best approach. Why make it complicated when it works better if it remains simple? And boredom be damned. Someone said to me. Someone said to me a few days ago. Um, yes, but I mean, uh, personal trainers. Surely they know what they're talking about, Mark. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've always found that to be true. That's a, that's a good point, Jeremy. Personal trainers. Um, okay, so another another aspect um, of of uh, your strength training. Um, I, I, I don't want to say routine because it sounds like it sounds a bit false but I mean for me it's a lifestyle so the whole sort of 5 by 5 concept is just it's drilled into my mind I, I can't over the years I've played with you know now and then I've gone into like 8 reps and even 10 reps and I always come back to 5 why is that the magic number? because 5's are the the median, uh, physiologically, the median between high reps and singles. They have enough characteristics of each to make them the most productive rep range. Mm. Now, we don't use five sets of five. No, I know. Okay. No, but I'm including yeah, the I'm, I'm, I'm including the warm-ups. Our novice program uses three sets of five across at the work set weight with warm-ups that are designed to mm. get you prepared for that three sets of five weight while not getting you tired. Yeah. All right. Five sets of five is a is a is something that happens in the in certain intermediate programs that we use sometimes. Mm. But five sets of five is that's that's you know it's, it's, we a, didn't a, say it. it's also right. too much volume. It's it's way too much volume. Mm. It's it's an unnecessary amount of volume from which to recover if you're going to do it three days a week. Mm. The but the number five people have been lifting weights a very very long period of time. The barbell was invented back in the early twentieth century. And, you know the incrementally loadable barbell was invented a long time ago, and ever since. People have been training with the incrementally loaded barbell. They have always arrived at the same conclusion that 
a set of five is the right number of reps mm. to make long-term strength improvement. And that's the phenomenology. That's yeah. just what happens. All right, now you write a paper and get it published in a peer-reviewed journal that attempts to refute that. But that's irrelevant mm. because we know it works. We're not wondering about how many reps to use now. Yeah. We know that sets of five are the best number of reps to constitute a set for long-term strength training progress. And we, that, that, that conversation's over. Mm. Right? If, you know, the, the master's degree candidates in some ex-phys program in some small school in the Midwest want to write a paper about it, let them go ahead and do it. I don't care. It, it doesn't change the fact that sets of five are the way to get stronger. They've always been the way to get stronger. We know that. We know that without the exercise physiology department telling us that. Mm. Now, a few nights ago on um, on my podcast, I had um, probably one of the greatest long-distance runners in the world on my show. I mean, he, he he's run many ultra marathons uh of like 90 kilometers 100 kilometers what's that 200 miles i think thereabouts uh 220 miles or something if if i've got my numbers mm. correct um what happens in a scenario like that um when it comes to strength training because when you're doing that kind of um athletics you don't want to uh get bigger you you kind of want to be spindly or have I got it wrong? No, I, I think that, uh, you know, at ultra marathon distances, the people that, that do the best are probably people with a little bit more body weight than the marathon guys. Yeah. The 26.2 mile people. Uh, I, you know, the, all the, the data on that's pretty good. All of the world records. Mm. are held by guys that weigh 130 pounds. But I think what you see in ultramarathon, and I may be wrong about this, are, are guys that are a little bit heavier. Because the longer the distance, the more reserve you've got to carry with you in order to complete the race. Right. And body weight is reserved. Mm. Uh, strength training for those guys is important, but you, you have to understand what it is we're saying about strength training. I am not so stupid, all right, that I think that a marathon athlete at a body weight of 130 pounds needs to be squatting <laughs> 200 kilos. Right. I, I'm not trying to make a, a marathon mm. athlete into a power lifter. All I'm trying to, to raise an awareness of is that a marathon competitor that could squat his own body weight for a set of five yeah. is, a, is a more effective athlete than a marathon competitor who can't squat anything for a set of five. Exactly correct, yes. But that's my point. Mm. But, you know, the it's much easier to create your own argument and say it's mine and then refute it. But that's sure, it. sure, sure. Um, Mark, now I know that you've got a, a very wonderful history with CrossFit. 
<laughs> well, uh, and it's I, very popular here. I'll tell you that. Well, I, CrossFit. I was involved in CrossFit from <laughs> 2006 to the end of 2009, and uh, we started our own uh, seminar product in January of 2010. Have been on our own ever since, and have developed this into. Uh, uh, it, it, we've developed it in a completely separate direction. Mm. CrossFit is uh, terribly popular. CrossFit has been uh, very instrumental in making sweeping changes in the fitness industry. Uh, for good uh, or for bad? For good. Okay. For good. And and there's good and bad. All right. Mm. The good part is uh, Greg Glassman was of the firm opinion that people should be taught that they should be prepared to pay for coaching. And without that, we, you know, lots of us would be at work. You know, we owe him quite a bit. Yeah. He has introduced the barbell to millions of people who previously didn't have the slightest idea what it was. Right? That CrossFit's done lots and lots of good things. Okay, CrossFit is wrong in their training methodology because they don't have a training methodology. Everybody gets hurt. Everybody gets hurt because of the 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 errors that they've made mm. in in their application of the muscle confusion principle. Yes. Okay. Their uh, their just their physiology in that respect is just incorrect. But CrossFit is a is a doorway that lots and lots of people have gone through that uh, are that are uh, that's directly responsible for lots and lots of people being introduced to the to a more serious approach to fitness. And you 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 have to give them credit for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, although you disconnected your relationship with CrossFit, I think what two thousand and nine. Yes, end of two thousand nine. Mm. Um, because it kind of went in the wrong direction. Yeah, I, the, they just weren't interested in listening to what we had to say, and and it's I very expensive, also. We could, well, we I, I found that we could more effectively say it ourselves instead of relying on them to say it for us. So, Mark, we we're, we're coming in for the last uh, the last few the last few laps here. And um, I must say that, I mean, we couldn't really get, obviously it's a podcast, we can't get into the sort of the technicals of, um, of you know, these movements. Um, I call them movements. I don't know why I say that. I think it's something you might have said a few years ago, but I've always said movements uh, rather than exercises. <laughs> um, well, I, you know, I don't have a problem with calling them movements because that's mm. what they are. Now, uh, I have a problem calling them moves. <laughs> That's what, that's, what, that's what they call them in cosmopolitan. Uh, um, but you know, men's fitness calls them moves. No, no, no. They're they're movement patterns. These are normal human movement patterns. Yeah, and that I, we just put a, we, that we just load. I, I wanted to say to you just just on a personal level. Um, I mean, I've learned I've learned everything actually from your videos, not from anybody in any gym, um, and I've used. I've used my cell phone and mirrors over the years um, and I've compared them. I think your 
your best videos are probably the ones with uh, Brett, what's his name, from The Art of Manliness. Um, mm-hmm. Those ones are, are great. Um, and I must just say that something that has become part of my training is focusing heavily on form because I don't want to get hurt. Um, and I, it's interesting how important that actually is because if your form is correct, it also does appear that your strength um, is enhanced a bit more effectively. Sure. And that's why we've developed the, mm. the, the technical aspects of each one of these exercises we use down to the point where the people we teach to coach these movement patterns can tell if you're doing it wrong immediately and they know how to correct it and our emphasis is not specifically on not getting hurt although if you do the exercise correctly you're far less likely to get hurt than if you do it incorrectly and that ought to be obvious to everybody Mm. our emphasis in terms of developing correct technique analyzing the movement pattern for the best way to perform it is so that you can generate the most amount of force within the muscle within the movement pattern and thus get strong that's our primary emphasis okay now the truth of the matter is is that if you train you are eventually going to get injured yes but this is also true if you don't train <laughs> and more likely okay. and more likely mm-hmm. so if I understand about not wanting to get hurt. I don't like getting hurt myself. Yeah, I mean, with the bench press, you don't want the ball falling on you. And, you know, and I, it just, it's just part of being alive is that you're going to experience physical pain at some point. Yeah, but, I mean, you don't want the ball falling on your face if, you, if you're bench pressing. Right. But that's not the bench press's fault. Mm. That's your fault don't drop the bar on your face. Now, there are ways to not drop the bar on your face, and you have to use those ways so that you don't drop the bar on your face. What I'm talking about is that there is no absolute guarantee that you're not going to pull a quadricep Mm. when you're squatting absolutely correctly. It can happen. And it might happen. Mm. Right? So, what are you going to do? Not squat. Absolutely not. A lot of people take. No, but that's a defeatist attitude. A lot of people take. It just depends on on your particular personal constitution. Are you so risk averse? No. That you don't risk anything ever? No, I'll do it. I'll carry on doing it. Well, of course I'll do it. Mm. But a lot of people won't. So, this brings us back to our earlier discussion. Mm. Uh, Starting strength is not for everybody. No. A lot of people don't understand it. It's not complicated enough. It doesn't offer enough exercise variety to keep easily distracted people from being interested in perfection and doing the movement pattern correct and constantly honing on technique, constantly going up in weight on the same five or six exercises. We're we would like for everybody to understand this. We would like for everybody to do it. But and we and in that sense, we broadcast our message, quote unquote, to everybody. But we know 
that most people are not going to try. Mm. Most people are not going to do it. This is not for everybody. And we understand that too. But Mark, I've got a comment uh, that's come in, right? Uh, stretching. I mean, come on. Stretching is great. That will, that will reduce your, your chances of getting injured. No, it doesn't. <laughs> doesn't reduce your chances of anything. Doesn't. It does not prevent soreness. It does not treat soreness. It does not prevent injury. Mm. It doesn't. It's a waste of time. Yeah. So I can yeah. conf I can if confirm that. You, if you are of sufficient range of motion around your joints to mm. perform full range of motion barbell exercise, and you of sufficient range of motion around your joints to perform the movements that are that occur in your sport then you don't need to stretch and stretching mm. is a waste of time mm. now a lot of people like to stretch because it makes them feel better about themselves yeah go ahead i don't care but it's a waste of time so i mean i can confirm that i mean i think in the last decade i've never stretched and i've never yeah. actually injured myself in any in any real in any real way ever and think of the time you've saved yeah you know, it's just, I mean, we're busy, you know, productive mm -hmm. people don't have time to waste on stuff. You know, if you're a 22-year-old kid mm. living in your mom's basement <laughs> and you want to stretch 30 minutes a day, go ahead, have fun. But it's not necessary. Mm. It doesn't help anything. Um, I've had a few technical questions coming through, and I've I've kind of avoided them because I mean it's it's all in your book. But okay, let me just throw yeah, one at you. But if I'll throw one at you. If you I'll throw one at you if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, someone's asking about sumo squats. Well, you can't sumo a wide stance squat. You can't get below parallel on a sumo squat. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, I want I'm you to go below parallel because yeah. that's the longest effective range of motion. Um, and someone someone else is asking about um, where is it now? Uh, where is it? It's about ugh, I've I've lost it now. I've lost the comment. But I think I think the the the, the comment that that was basically saying something along the lines of um, ass to grass or ass to grass. I know is the uh, the American yeah, way of saying right. it. Um, it's that it's longer than effective range of motion. We've had this discussion mm. thousands of times, and yeah. uh, all that does is fix it up so that you can't squat the heaviest weights just below parallel. Yeah, just below parallel uses the most amount of muscle mass, and adding six inches to that range of motion just takes away from the weight you can lift. It's also not it's also not safe because it puts you into a position that makes it harder to get up. Well, it's it's uh, it's safe in that you can't squat as much weight like mm. that, but it does make your low back relax. Most people can't get below parallel without going into some form of lumbar flexion. Sure. It makes you relax your quads and your glutes and your adductors, and so you have to relax to get down into the bottom. And we're not here to relax. No, we're here to generate force. But I mean, Mark, you're. Your book is also it's also saved me money, uh, if I may say so. I've never bought gloves of any type or straps. Right. Um, I've just never think of all the money you save. Yeah, the only thing I've ever bought is chalk dust, um, just so that I mm -hmm. because I sweat so, and I want to hold the I want to hold the bar. Sure. When I'm you know when yeah, I'm you deadlifting, need, you need yeah. to, you need to use chalk. And something I learned from you also is the gloves weaken your grip. 
They do. They increase the effective diameter of the bar. Mm. So I mean, which means you get squeeze it as hard. Yeah, I mean, I've I've saved so much money uh, thanks to um, <laughs> your your simplistic way of doing things. And remember, I'm a political mm-hmm. cartoonist by trade of 15 years. So I'm all about simplifying right. concepts. So for me, it's very appealing to to do to do as little as possible with the most impact. Right. It is a. And I don't. It's and I'm not terribly efficient. Isn't it? It's very, and I don't intend to compete. So for me, I don't care about bicep curls. Uh, or, or, oh, there we go. There's the other question that came through. Okay. I, <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say, but I'm going to throw the question at you. Mark, how do you get nicer calf muscles? <laughs> Calves? <laughs> yes. The calf muscle. Power cleans, squats, deadlifts. <laughs> Not that thing where you stand and you, you do realize that the gastrocs are working on all those exercises. I, I know, I know, but there's that thing that you there's a thing in the gym that they put the weights on their shoulder and they stand on the on the front of their feet and they lift it up like that. I don't know what you call that thing. Right. They call it calf raise. They don't understand. They don't understand what's happening with your gastrocs in a 500 pound squat. Mm. They just but the other important thing here is genetics, and I mean that also plays a role. If you have our genetic, yes, yeah. So you could be a, a, a lucky that that lucky person who's got a great physique, but you might also be that unlucky person who's just never going to get big calf muscles. Could be, could very well be. Mm. But I mean, you know that that plays into that aesthetics thing. But I had to read you the. The comments. Right. No, I, I Mark, I I've had you for a few minutes longer. Um yeah. it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. We'll do it again. We will do it again. Um Okay. We didn't uh, we didn't we didn't go to technical and I'm, I appreciate that. Thank you for your time. I will stay in touch with you, Thank Mark. You. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you, Jeremy. Glad to be here.